Welcome to the Key Wealth Matters weekly podcast, where we casually ramble on about important topics, including the markets, the economy, human ingenuity, and almost anything under the sun, giving you the keys to unlock the mysteries of the markets and investing. Today is Friday, September 22nd, 2023. I'm Brian Peterangelo, and welcome to the podcast as we head into the final day tomorrow of summer. Hope you had a good one as we transition into autumn. And with me today, I would like to introduce our panel of investing experts here to share their insights on this week's market activity and more. Rajiv Sharma, Head of Fixed Income, Cindy Honcharenko, Director of Fixed Income, and Mike Schroda, Senior Lead Equity Analyst. As a reminder, a lot of great content is available on key.com slash wealth insights, including updates from our Wealth Institute on many different subjects, and especially our Key Questions article series, addressing a relevant topic for investors each Wednesday. In addition, if you have any questions or need more information, please reach out to your financial advisor. As we take a look at this week's economic news, the calendar was fairly light, so we'll give you three quick updates. First, in the area of housing, we have existing home sales were down 0.7% for the month of August. Housing starts were actually down 11.3% for the month of August from the prior month in July. Again, showing indications that increasing mortgage rates are having an effect on the overall housing market. And second, U.S. leading economic indicators were down by 0.4% for the month of August, which basically has been a consistent decline for the past 18 months. And finally, just yesterday, initial unemployment claims stayed very low at 201,000 in terms of a decline of 20,000 from the prior month. So the week ending 916 at 201,000 is basically the lowest level going all the way back to January of this year in 2023. And we'll also take a look at the stock market with Mike later on in the podcast. But let's start with a recap of the news for the biggest event of the week, which was the Federal Open Market Committee meeting on Wednesday in the press conference from Chair Jay Powell. So with that, let's start with a high-level overview. Cindy, what are your thoughts? So the Fed opted not to hike rates at the September FOMC meeting, leaving Fed funds unchanged at the 5.5% upper bound, and that was anticipated. The 2023 median dot remained at uh, 575 upper bound, but the 2024 median shifted 50 basis points higher from June, landing at five and a quarter upper bound. The upshot is the committee is now projecting just 50 basis points of rate cuts uh, next year, compared to 100 basis points at its June FOMC meeting. The shallower path of projected easing corresponded to the summary of economic projections, showing substantial upward revisions to growth in both 2023 and 2024, as well as downward revisions to unemployment for 2023 through 2025. Even with the stronger growth and lower unemployment, the committee marked down its 2023 core PCE inflation forecast and left its 2024-2025 core inflation forecast unchanged. I believe 2023's core PCE inflation will realize below the Fed's current 3.7% projection, ultimately giving the committee an off-ramp from the from implementing the one further 25 basis point hike projected in the dot plot. I continue to think the Fed will reach the terminal rate at, at the cycle at the five and a half upper bound, and we will be on hold at this level until it cuts rates for the first time in June next year. 
I think the weaker growth profile in the second half of this year, as well as faster deceleration of inflation pressures relative to the Fed, will give the policymakers who are clearly striving for a soft landing the incentive to refrain from hiking rates further. And Chair Powell acknowledged a range of factors in his press conference that could impact the near-term economic trajectory, including policy lags, potential government shutdowns, strained consumer balance sheets, slowing job gains, and rising gas prices. These are the main factors I see as reasons that will slow growth more appreciably and ultimately lead officials to refrain from further tightening. I think the biggest surprise for me from the Fed on Wednesday was Powell's lack of confidence regarding whether the federal funds rate is, in fact, in the restrictive territory or not. So with that, I think it would be prudent for investors to remain nimble for the remainder of the year. Uh, due to the imminent government shutdown, upcoming economic data reports, and two more Fed meetings. Rajiv, I'd be interested to know what your take on the Fed meeting and Powell's press conference was. You know, uh, Sydney, I agree with what you're saying. And, uh, you know, I really feel that uh, the market was kind of spooked by uh, the statement, really. I mean, I think when the market uh, when the market saw that the uh, Fed was taking two rate cuts off for next year, uh, that really impacted the market. And I really feel that uh, we saw yields rise uh, across the curve uh, based on that. Uh, as we've always talked about, um, we've seen that uh, the market expects uh, rate cuts in the first quarter, maybe the end of the first quarter, early second quarter of next year. Not seeing that in the uh, summary of economic projections and seeing that uh, two rate cuts were removed by the Fed based on what they told us back in June, that really uh, bothered the market and they did not like it. Uh, but they stayed paused. Uh, we all expected that. We expected a pause by the Fed. Uh, we also saw a couple of other central banks uh, this week, Swiss National Bank, Bank of England, they all paused. Uh, they all passed on ra raising rates. This all happened in the last 48 hours. So with central banks on hold and market participants expecting higher for longer, we see bond yields uh, headed higher around the world, actually. And we did see uh, Sweden, Norway, they hiked, Turkey hiked, uh, South Africa Central Bank, uh, they signal that uh, borrowing costs are gonna be elevated. ECB is sending mixed messages on whether they're gonna be doing any more tightening or not. But overall, global bond yields are moving higher. And we continue to see the inverted yield curve uh, and it may remain inverted for a while based on the Fed projections that we saw this week. Uh, currently, the two tens is inverted to the order of 66 basis points. The three-month tenure is inverted to the order of 100 basis points. Uh, and we've seen some really big moves in yields. Uh, in the intermediate and long end of the curve, uh, the tenure approached a resistance point of 4.5% just yesterday. And it's a level that we haven't seen since 2007. Uh, this did cause a little bit of narrowing in the two tens curve. But the next resistance points, if we can actually close above 4.5% on the 10-year, the next resistance point is 4.73%. So things are looking like, uh, you know, the market is really not liking the fact that uh, the Fed took away two rate cuts next year. They stuck with uh, uh, two rate cuts at the end of the year. And I think the market is really thinking that uh, we're going to be higher for longer. Now, what's interesting is the Fed has has repeatedly said that they're going to be higher for longer. They've kept the uh, they've kept the narrative that we're going to have one more rate 
rate hike this this year. But as I've I've mentioned before on these calls that there's a big disconnect between what market expectations is and what the Fed is uh, the Fed narrative is. And I think uh, the market's going to start gravitating towards the Fed because you do not fight the Fed. We've talked about this before. It's uh, it, it's very difficult to uh, go against them. So the dot plus that you mentioned, Cindy, I, I really feel that uh, that has really spooked the market, and we've seen uh, rates move higher across the curve. Overall, uh, the Fed, I feel, acknowledged that there was a slowdown in job growth, but the Fed remains committed to keeping rates higher for longer. And this this is very important. I mean, they're they're really focused on the inflation target of two percent, and that two percent target based on their projections, we're not going to see that to 2026. So we can anticipate the Fed being uh, keeping rates higher for longer. And I think that that's going to add more volatility in the market. So, you know, it was interesting as I listened to Jay Powell speak, we've talked about it on our calls and we've written a lot of language in the articles that we've produced that we've said higher for longer as well. But there was an interesting message. It seemed to me that the market focused on the long-term 2024 rate cuts where if you think about it, the Fed has to get to its terminal rate first and then pause before it can begin cutting rates. So when Powell talked about the fact that you know sufficiently restrictive only when you see it, and then also we're gonna proceed very carefully was said multiple times during the press conference, it seems to me that there's a now an equal balance between doing too much and doing too little as we go to the end of the year. What do you think that means for the near-term outlook actually being somewhat positive that we're gonna to get to the terminal rate faster? Well, you definitely mentioned it. Uh, you know, I think that Fed Chair Powell in, in his statement, I think he really tried to uh, create a balance and said, and basically talked about uh, trying to get to a, a, a federal funds rate that is accommodative to the labor market. And the labor market is really strong right now. I mean, we haven't seen any snap in the labor market yet. Um, I think what's really important is, is we're all data dependent. And I think the dot plus that we've seen this week, you know, you could, you could give it a lot of credence. I mean, that is where the Fed is thinking. That's where their mind is at. But at the same time, dot plots change over time based on data. And, and I think that uh, a lot of people are really frustrated with, a lot of investors are frustrated with the dot plots, really. I mean, I feel that the Fed doesn't know where we're going to be. The Fed is data dependent. The market is data dependent. And until we see that, I, I think that that can change very rapidly. So right now, I, I really believe that uh, yields are going higher. But I do, fully, I do believe that investors are not really jumping in at, on, on these levels right now. They're going to wait to see where we shake out. Uh, surge in yields is never good for investors. They never want to jump in when we see that. Then any final thoughts that you have on the Fed meeting and then we'll move on to Mike. I, you know, I think that the markets are still banking on a pivot from the Fed. And I think they're kind of brushing things off and thinking that this current inflation pressures, uh, that it's temporary. And and I really think that, you know, they're banking on first quarter rate cuts. And I think that they're they're very misguided right now. So as Rajiv has mentioned, where we have this push and pull between the markets and the Fed and that disconnect. And I think that's going to continue. Great. Thanks, Cindy and Rajiv, for your comments. Let's turn over to Mike now, as we've seen a little bit of a pullback this week in the stock market. Mike, what are your thoughts and observations and what you're seeing? 
Hey, thanks, Brian. So yeah, as mentioned on this entire call so far, this week was all about the Fed and the general takeaway in the equity markets is no different. And it's this higher for longer narrative. So uh, ultimately, not surprisingly, this narrative resulted in stocks declining. So the S&P 500 was down uh, 164 basis points yesterday alone, which was the largest one day decline since March, with 92% of the names down uh, just yesterday. I, I pulled some data since Wednesday, so since the Fed announcement, and all three major uh, US indices were uh, down pretty significantly. S&P 500 is down 2.56%, the Dow 1.3%, and the NASDAQ 3.32%, so by far the largest down of those three. Um, we continue to believe equities are going to remain choppy in the weeks ahead uh, due to this Fed news. Uh, the market just continues to try and adjust to these new developments. Um, the market's trying to figure out a couple of things. You know, how long will rates remain higher now and whether or not these are you know, properly discounted into these stock prices. And additionally, on top of this, stocks just hate confusion. And I think Fed um, Chairman Powell put a little bit of confusion in some of the comments yesterday when he mentioned uh, the neutral rate uh, comment. Um, you know, he said something to the effect of neutral interest rate may be higher. We just don't know yet. Um, don't know is not exactly what the markets want to hear. And so you're going to see some choppiness of them trying to figure that out. Um, uh, the big question is going to remain uh, for the uh, equity markets really is, is a soft landing obtainable with this, these new rate forecasts? Uh, yeah, I guess time will tell. I mean, that's the big question everyone's trying to figure out. Uh, shifting over to some technicals, um, I was looking at uh, the S&P 500 chart and we had brought this up in the uh, key charts this week earlier, uh, I think last week uh, before uh, Steve's vacation. And um, it looks like we're really going to test that 43.25 level in S&P 500. Uh, we closed at 43.30 yesterday, so just right above it. Um, and there's, you know, that that's the bottom of that plus 5% range I, I talked about on Monday's call where, you know, we've really traded all summer at between 43.25 and 4,600. So any break of that 43.25 level is going to present some uh, near-term downside. And you know, looking at the where the where we could stop after that, um, you know, looks right around that 4200 level. Like that's the prior resistance, you know, new support area. And also that's right around where that 200-day moving average level is at 41.89. Um, so that I could see, you know, if we break through that level, that could be the next resting point. Um, on the flip side, if we do hold 43.25, uh, that should be viewed positively and bullish. Um, because that keeps us firmly in that plus 5% box that we've been trading in uh, all summer. So we could probably, uh, if we can hold that, maybe we can, we can build some support and balance from there. Uh, finally, looking at some sector performance since the Fed announcement, uh, clearly, clearly the defensive sectors have held up the best. You've had healthcare only down 90 basis points, uh, utilities only down 98 basis points, and staples down 116. Uh, the worst performing sectors were some of the more cyclical growthier sectors. So discretionary was down 394, uh, comm services down 340, and tech 326. Um, just, to, just to wrap up, you know, we're going to be looking ahead here. We're almost at the end of the quarter, so we're going to get some earning reports uh, over the next uh, you know, couple weeks, month uh, time frame. So we should get some more clarity on what these companies are experiencing and kind of get a better, uh, clearer picture of the state of the economy. Uh, until then, though, we, we just kind of can expect these markets to just move choppy and try to figure out what kind of environment they're in and if these uh, uh, stocks are appropriately discounted with all this news. Thanks, yeah, it's Brian. interesting, Mike. Yep. So we talked a lot a couple of weeks ago about seasonality and that September is not the greatest month 
during the year in terms of overall market performance. And now we're seeing it. You wonder sometimes if it's a self-fulfilling prophecy and now that Jay Powell and the committee are adding a little bit uh, to the situation in terms of downside risk. Well, thanks for the conversation today, Rajiv, Cindy, and Mike. We appreciate your insights. And thanks to our listeners for joining us today. Be sure to subscribe to the Key Wealth Matters podcast through your favorite podcast app. And as always, past performance is no guarantee of future results. And we do know that your financial situation is personal to you. So reach out to your relationship manager, portfolio strategist, or financial advisor for more information. And we'll catch up with you next week to see how the world and the markets have changed and provide those keys to help you achieve your financial success. The Key Wealth Matters podcast is produced by the Key Wealth Institute. The Key Wealth Institute is comprised of financial professionals representing key entities, including key private bank, key bank institutional advisors, key private client, and key investment services. Any opinions, projections, or recommendations contained herein are subject to change without notice and are not intended as individual investment advice. This material is presented for informational purposes only and should not be construed as individual tax or financial advice. Bank and trust products are provided by Key Bank National Association, a member of FDIC and Equal Housing Lender. Key Private Bank and Key Bank Institutional Advisors are part of Key Bank. Investment products, brokerage, and investment advisory services are offered through Key Investment Services, LLC, or KISS, a member of FINRA, SIPC, and SEC Registered Investment Advisor. Insurance products are offered through Key Corp Insurance Agency, USA Incorporated, or KIA. KISS and KIA are affiliated with Key Bank. Investments in insurance products are not FDIC insured, not bank guaranteed, may lose value, not a deposit, not insured by any federal or state government agency. eBank and its affiliates do not provide tax or legal advice. Individuals should consult their personal tax advisor before making any tax-related investment decisions. This content is copyrighted by KeyCorp 2023.